There's an old legend that tells the tale of Nero fiddling while Rome burned. It isn't exactly true, partially because the violin hadn't exactly been invented yet, but it is one of those legends that has become an allegory that has persisted throughout human history. The lesson we are supposed to take from it whenever it is invoked is that whomever we are talking about whenever Nero is invoked in that light is said to be either wasting their time when more important things are going on, or worse, that they are themselves the cause of whatever issue is the issue of the day. Today, I want to talk about everyone's favorite bishop, the bishop for the Diocese of the Internet, Bishop Robert Barron. His unrelenting focus on the Internet traditional Catholic commentary community has gotten our attention, of course, several times over the past few months. I guess when he had extra time on his hands last year, he noticed all of us talking about the state of the church and took it upon himself to defend Vatican II and the rest of it. His Excellency has a new book out with all the documents of Vatican II in one place, including key addresses by the modernist fathers of the council, most of whom history tells us had been watched by the Holy Office as possible heretics before the council even got started. But that's a topic for another time, because that's not something most of the Vatican II defenders will ever tell you. Barron has published this book, and the National Catholic Reporter reviewed it. Now, I don't really care about the review itself. What is important here is what they said about Barron and his purpose for putting the book together, which is to correct all the meany, uncharitable, pharisaical traditional Catholics. To be clear, he is using an enormous amount of resources to try to connect correct internet traditional commentary. Enormous resources that could be better put spent elsewhere, because right now, while he is focusing on us, the CDF, the, is the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, is okaying Holy Communion for those who cannot possibly be in a state of grace. That should be the focus of all the bishops who profess to care about the real presence and the fact that most Catholics just think the Eucharist is a symbol. The issue isn't Vatican II today, but its fruits. The article begins by laying it all out for you with the defense of Vatican II and Francis's push for constant change in the Church, and it even ends on a note of Francis not being enough of an innovator for the National Catholic Reporter. Yes, Francis is more of a traditionalist than the National Catholic Reporter is. Marinate on that one for a moment. What I really want to focus on here is the middle of the article. The National Catholic Reporter, for all of its flaws, does a good job of describing Barron's purpose for publishing the Vatican II documents in one place. And why is he doing that? Because the meanie rad trads, of course. Now, according to the, the article's author, Mr. Massimo Fascioli, who has been a frequent topic of discussion here, Barron's hypothesis is that the documents of Vatican II haven't been read by most Catholics, and the ones who did read them didn't understand them. There's something rather unsettling about that statement, by the way, that we can only understand them if we have Bishop Barron to tell us how to read them. However, some of us did read them and did understand them, which is why we became traditional Catholics who want the faith, as it was throughout history before the Council. But from Mr. Fascioli's article, quote, It's from the introduction that Barron shows his intention, responding to traditionalist move against the legitimacy of Vatican II, which has been rampant for a few years now in Catholic blogs and the Internet. This anti-Vatican II narrative has had a surge since the parischismatic attempt by the good archbishop, as I call him, in hiding, former apostolic nuncio to the United States who tried to unseat Francis in 2018, <laughs> turned later into a bizarre narrative on contemporary Catholicism, that the Archbishop and his followers see as a catastrophe made possible by the teachings of the Council. 
Barron has talked about this surge of anti-Vatican II cyber traditionalism in the last year, especially in his lecture, Pope Francis and Vatican II, for the Napa Institute retreat in 2020. In the introduction to the Word on Fire Vatican II collection, Barron lays his cards on the table. His intention is to respond to the traditionalist's attack. A fresh controversy has broken out, this time prompted by traditionalists who claim that Vatican II has betrayed authentic Catholicism and produced disastrous consequences in the life of the Church. End quote. I'll continue with that in a moment. It's worth noting here that all of the contents of that book, all of them, can be found for free on the Vatican's website. You know those videos I publish on Saturdays? Those papal encyclicals? The vast majority of those can be found on the Vatican's website for free. They are there for the rather explicit purpose that I use them for, namely, education. So instead of paying the bishop of the archdiocese of the internet for documents that you can get for free, you can just read those on the Vatican website. In the article, you can find the list of contents and use that as a reading list from the Vatican website if you want. Granted, you won't be getting his commentary on Vatican II, which is, of course, designed to provide the appearance of the middle path here, the appearance of moderation between the many trads and the innovators. That's sort of the bishop's brand, isn't it? But let's continue and pay attention closely to the following, because the National Catholic Reporter says what most of us have been saying about Vatican II the whole time, except I say it approvingly. Quote, Barron calls, with an understatement hard to understand, Vatican II, one of the most significant cultural and ecclesiastical events of the 20th century. Actually, Vatican II was the single most important event for Catholicism in four centuries since the Council of Trent. This book is a response against the new enemies of Vatican II, the Catholic rad trads. But without forgetting Barron's other polemical objects, here Barron in the introduction again, I and Word on Fire stand firmly with Vatican II, and hence against the radical traditionalists. We stand firmly with the Wotlia Ratzinger interpretation of the Council, and hence against the innovators. End quote. Naturally, there is one rather significant event from Vatican II that the National Catholic Reporter is not mentioning, that Massimo Fascioli is sort of purposely overlooking, and that is the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima, which were the biggest public miracle since the times of the Gospel, if not even before, given the grand scale of the events of, the, of, the, of Fatima. I have actually seen theologians compare it to the, to the, like, the events of the Red Sea. Think about that. But it is only natural that the National Catholic Reporter and this writer in, in particular would ignore that, if you think about it and have followed what I've been saying about Fatima for a while now. That in all likelihood, Our Lady's message was a warning about the consequences for the world of a wicked council of the Church, culminating in a grand chastisement. And don't take my word for it, I did a video on it before where I bring to you the words of various cardinals who were actually at the council and who had access to the Third Secret, or at least were like tangentially related to people who had the third secret and kind of got the gist of the message. They all said the same thing. But that's a topic to revisit for another time. Now, before I move on to the fact that Baron is really wasting his time on this rad-trad stuff in a matter befitting Nero while Rome burns, the reporter does point one thing out. The proper interpretation of Vatican II is the hermeneutic of rupture. Francis has said this himself, which I also covered in a video a few weeks ago, although he didn't use that terminology. And the National Catholic Reporter cites as proof of concept the opening speech delivered by Pope John XXIII to the Council itself. Quote, the book opens in a promising way with the choice to publish Gaudet Mater Ecclesia, which is a hermeneutically important to understanding Vatican II in the intention of the Pope who called it John XXIII. That speech plays an important role in the statements of Pope Francis on the interpretation of Vatican II. End quote. 
A true hermeneutic of continuity is to break clean from the past. I understand Benedictus XVI's attempt to craft the hermeneutic of continuity we see today. He obviously saw the fruits of Vatican II for what they were, but found himself in the unenviable position of trying to fix the things he helped to make in the first place. Remember those group of, of uh, theologians that the Holy Office was keeping an eye on? Well, at the time, Father Ratzinger was actually on, was on, was one of those. But the fact remains that Barron's continued status quo sustaining work is being noticed for what it is by everyone, except, of course, by those who hang on his every word. But remember what I said at the start of this, that the bishop should be using his energy elsewhere. He professes to be aghast at the Moloch issue and its wide public support, especially among Catholics, and especially among Catholics in the public eye. Well, unfortunately for him, while he focuses his energy on internet traditional commentary, the Vatican, and specifically the Congregation for the, doc the, the Doctrine of the Faith, has moved to support Caesar receiving sacrilegious Holy Communion. George Neumeyer recently wrote a piece that has gotten little attention, so we'll give it some here. And this is the important topic for the time, the befouling of the Holy Eucharist, the most blessed sacrament of the altar, where our Lord Jesus Christ is truly and really present. I talked about this yesterday when I brought to you the defense of the practice by Bishop McElroy and others like him. His argument is winning the day because, of course, in these times that Our Lady of Good Success told us about in the early 17th century, the wicked clergy she foretold of would permit Caesar to receive the Eucharist despite being in practice a devotee of Moloch. Mr. Neumeyer focuses like a laser on the pseudo-pastoral approach for Pope Francis. Francis often puts pastoral mercy in opposition to canon law. The laws of the church are cast in a negative light, often leaving the laws and traditions of the church as the reason things are bad in the church at the moment. It's the rigid adherence to dogmas and doctrines that I talked about yesterday, which Francis mentioned in his Sunday Regina Chaley address, rather than mercy, accompaniment, cupcakes, and kumbaya. The Pope of Mercy would cast aside the long-standing laws of the church for this. Even the watered-down 1983 code of canon law is too rigid for his liking. Since I quoted the National Catholic Reporter extensively a moment ago, I'll limit myself here to a short quote from Mr. Neumeyer. I have a link to his article in my show notes at returntotradition.org. It's the name of this channel with a .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up, and you'll see the posting for this video there, and that article is in that post. Mr. Neumeyer begins by focusing on what he calls the pseudo-pastoral approach of Francis, and then gives us the central error that is being preached and how it has led to sacrilegious communion. Quote, in its name, pseudo-pastoral approach, Pope Francis has relaxed sacramental discipline for those he, who broke the nuptial sacramental bond. He often casts canon law in contrast to mercy, a distortion his predecessors called false mercy, and said misrepresented canon law's purpose. Canon law is not tr contrary to true mercy, but a safeguard of it, said Pope Benedict XVI. It is necessary to note the widespread and deeply rooted, though not always evident, tendency to place justice and charity in opposition to one another, as if the two were mutually exclusive, he said in 2011. In other words, canon law exists for the salvation of souls. Hence, the church cannot fulfill her mission by setting it aside. The consequences of doing so, among others, are sacrilege and scandal. The self-consciously pastoral Catholicism of Pope Francis is a revival of the very sophistries his predecessors had rejected." End quote. And that is 100% true. And Barron could be focusing on the Eucharist. He has expressed his concerns that so few of the laity believe in the real presence and that few go to confession. But the most obvious manifestation of this issue imaginable, what does he do? He remains silent and focuses on the one group that has a near 100% belief in the real presence and in going to confession frequently. 
Go figure. He's never one to rock the boat, and his unwillingness to go against his brothers in the Episcopate is precisely why he is fiddling like legend says Nero did. I'd say that I expect better from Baron, but honestly, at this point, I don't. What do you think about this? Should Baron be focused on telling the truth about the Eucharist and Holy Communion for those who are not in a state of grace regardless of the role they play in society? Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. It's rather telling that he has focused so much in the past year on the rise of traditional Catholicism online instead of focusing on the most important topic of the day. But then again, Our Lady of Good Success also warned our times would be characterized by priests who were more in love with the esteem of the world than with the faith so it shouldn't be surprising to those of us who have followed those messages. I'll just remind everyone of what our Lord said on this in the Gospel of Mark. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, but lose his soul? Those are my thoughts. What are yours? After you comment, hit like, subscribe, and hit that bell so you don't miss an update. And as always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.